Hello and welcome. My name is Al. I'm Dylan. And we're going to be talking to you today about the case of two murders that happened back in 1986 the cases of Michelle Welsh and Jenny Bastian. But before we get into it, I just wanted to say, excuse our voices, we are dealing with a little bit of allergies right now. It's the fun springtime. Yeah, exactly. Um, and if you hear... It was snowing the other day. Yeah, for some fucking reason. <laughs> I, it made me sick. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? It was like 70 degrees and then three days later it was snowing. You gotta love Washington. That same day, it ended up being nice, too. Yeah. Like, I remember going outside with a short sleeve on, and I was like, yeah, it's comfortable. But it started the day fucking snowy. We're also in the bathroom currently. Yeah, Good we're door. recording with our cat. Yeah. Say <laughs> hi, Gamora. Oh. Yeah. Um, but this is gonna be a little bit of a short case, just to get us, like, into the recording. Because I know how to do the research, but the recording is a little new for me. We're trailblazing. Yeah. So Enjoy. let's get into it. Enjoy. We're talking to you about a case that happened in our very own town of Tacoma, Washington, way back in 1986. This is the case of Michelle Welsh and Jenny Bastian. All right, so let's get into it. Michelle Welsh was born in 1974. She had long blonde hair and glasses. She played piano and violin. She loved to read. She's the classic bossy older sister for her two younger sisters, Angie and Mickey. They lived around the 1500 block of North Oaks. So that's up in the North End. Generally, the people like to look at it as the safe area, but. Yeah. yeah. Not on this day. Not this day. On March 26, 1986, during the girls' spring break, Michelle and her sisters begged their mom to let them go to the Puget Park before piano classes. You know, I used to go there with my uh, Cub Scout troops <laughs> when I was a kid. Never heard of this, though. Until now. Until now. All right, so let's get into it. At Right early at 10 in the morning, Michelle leaves with her sisters riding on bikes to go to the Puget Park. That's about a two-mile bike ride to the park. Um... She realizes she forgot to bring their lunches at around 11, 11.30, so she rode her bike home while her two sisters played at the park. Um, it took a while for her to get back. Again, that's a pretty long bike ride, and she had to like make their lunches and everything. Um, and at 12.30, her sisters were using the restroom at a local business when Michelle returned. She changed her bike to theirs and put their lunches down on like a table. Um, she tried to find her sisters, but they weren't there. At 1.15, the girls returned to the park. They didn't see Michelle, so they just continued to play, not thinking anything weird was going on. They played for a while, but when they found their lunches and Michelle's bike chained to theirs, they started looking for their sister. They looked in the gulch on the trail, and they had a kind of family call that they tried to That's summon so her with. Yeah, it's like a whoo type Who thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they alerted their babysitter and um, their mother, and then from there they alerted the police. That's right. That's the chain of command too. <laughs> Pretty much. At three ten p.m. was when the police arrived and started searching for Puget Park, and later that night at eleven twenty five p.m. Michelle's body was found in the gulch in a makeshift fire pit. She had been beaten, sexually assaulted. And she had died from a gash to the neck. They put her into a fire pit? 
a makeshift fire pit. Yeah. Oh my god. And let me remind you, she's she's a little girl. She's real small. So That's brutal. But yeah, she was found that day later. They were searching for like seven hours in one park and then they found her in that same park. An employee at Michelle's school said they saw Michelle talking to a man at around 1, 1.30 on the day of the murder, and they were gesturing towards the gulch at the Puget Park. And then there was also a classmate that saw Michelle that day, and he said that he was in the park that day, and he saw a man who was white, um, 24, 26 years old looking. Like mid-20s. Yeah. And he was wearing a blue jean jacket with holes, blue jeans, and a dirty ripped white shoes. But that lead didn't really go anywhere. Kind of describes literally anyone. Yeah, <laughs> especially in 1986. <laughs> like, oh, blue jeans. Wow, what a fashion <laughs> statement. Someone call the police. Tacoma Police Department really did start taking this series pretty fast. But nothing is really happening until that same year, August 4th, when another young girl ended up missing. Her name was Jenny Bastion. She was 4'10", she had blue eyes, and she had a blonde pixie cut. She was a student at Truman Junior High. Um, she was a top student and a gymnast. She loved sports and she was great at making friends. She was dedicated to everything she did. She was actually training for her bike trip through the San Juan Islands and to stimulate the camping gear that she was going to wear she decided to carry bricks in her bag that day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, she was real into this. Um, and she asked her 16-year-old friend Carrie Ann Woolenweber, but she said no, she was busy. But Carrie did tell her to come over later at around 6, 630. Oh, like when she's done with it? Yeah. Um, so around 2 p.m., she rode her bike down Pearl Street, which actually is where we used to live. Yeah, that's right. Um, to Point Defiance Park. And she rode around the park at least twice. Um, she was wearing black bike shorts, a turquoise shirt, white bike gloves, a red helmet, and riding on a beige Schwinn touring bike with saddlebags. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fancy. Um, and there were confirmed sightings at 3.30, 4.10, and 5.10 p.m. Oh, and she was supposed to go to, oh, around 6, 6.30? Yeah, yeah. Right? Okay. Um, Dang, so, so she was seen, like, not far between here. Yeah, very not, like, very close to the time. And to explain a little bit about Point Defiance Park, it has this big loop that you can go through. It's actually the second biggest in-city park in the country behind, uh, what's it called, Central Park. Fun fact. And it has about like five miles of like main road that you could go around. They have a place called Five Mile Drive. And then she's probably riding her bike around there. But there are a lot of trails that you could go through. When was this back in the 80s, right? This was 86. 80s. There might have still been when the uh, amusement park was up in there. Yeah. The residents are still out there. (laughs) Um, But like we said, Carrie was supposed to meet with... Um, Jenny at 6, 6.30, but she didn't show up. And then at 7 p.m., Carrie called her home to find out she wasn't there either. Wow, our friend was calling around trying to get to her. Yeah, she, she tried calling her mom, and like, uh, her mom said she wasn't there either. Uh, and her mom thought she was at like Carrie's a... house. Oh, my so God. <laughs> now they're both it's like her parents' worst nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> and then when she still wasn't home at 7.30 p.m., Carrie decided to go drive around Point Defiance Park. And 
they could not find her at around 8.30 p.m. that night she was reported missing. Oh, my God. The search was huge. They had sent dogs trace her scent through Pearl Street, but they lost her scent in Point Defiance Park. Um, there were posters everywhere, lots of businesses on Pearl Street, and they were spread all the way from California up to Alaska. They had thousands of tips pouring in for this young girl that went missing. But it wasn't until a few weeks later, on August 28th, 1986, when a man was jogging in Point Defiance Park, and he smelt a foul odor. And we all know how that goes. Um, he found her body in, like, this weird prepared area. Um, uh, it was like, prepared before they put her body there. That's like a grave or more like a ritual? Just like um, trying to hide it, but not really. I see what you mean. Yeah, okay. so it's like bushes. <laughs> almost. Okay, that makes more sense. Um, she was found with her swimsuit around her ankles oh and, and she had been sexually assaulted and the cause of death was found to be asphyxia, which is strangulation. Oh, my God. Um, instantly, the cases were linked. They were oh. both young girls found in parks in the same area. Yeah, because like, that's like, what, like a mile away from each other, Yeah, maybe? they're very, very close. Yeah. Um, but even though the police were hot on their trail, and even though there was hundreds and thousands of tips going in for both of the girls... It took a while for anything to really happen. Even with massive searches and Tacoma Police Department trying to look into anything they had, um, the cases still unfortunately went cold. Um, but they had 2,300 2, men related to the cases of the two murders, but all of the leads went nowhere. Some of the notable persons of interest were David Fisher, who couldn't be located at the time. He was actually the man who killed Laura Lee Burbank in 1970. And then Gerald Arthur Friend, who was a man charged with sex torture of a 14-year-old girl. Oh, my but, God. Sex torture? Yeah. But <laughs> neither of these men were, the like, either in the area. Oh, thank God. Or, yeah. <laughs> Keep these streets a little bit cleaner now. <laughs> Slightly. Yeah. That's right. Oh, I can get you guys off. All right, go ahead. But in 2009, the Tacoma Police Department created a cold case unit to investigate over 150 cold cases, including the two cases of the girls. And let me say that again. 2009. It's like 30 years almost. Yeah. Well, 25. But... Um... But again, nothing was happening for a while. Everything was moving pretty slow. It's a little hard to get something done when you have a case that old. But in 2013, they finally decided to swab Jenny's swimsuit to find there actually was semen in the swimsuit. They had it this whole time? Yeah. They had just the answer to this the whole time? Um, I guess they didn't swab the swimsuit because they didn't think that there would be semen in it. Wow. But then they decided to, and then they found semen. Police work. <laughs> and that was actually when they tested it, and they found out that the cases were not, in fact, linked, like everyone had oh. thought for 30 years, oh. basically. That must have been a fun thing to learn. Yeah, this whole time they're looking for one different guy. different guys they're looking for now. Um, in 2016, Parabon Nanolabs developed phenotype composites to find characteristics of both killers. In Washington State Crime Lab, 
created a DNA profile. Both girls had no matches in the system, but they created a potential suspect list. In 2016, um, on the potential suspect list, for Jenny's murder included a man named Robert Washburn. Robert Washburn grew up in Texas and Bellingham, Washington. Um, he graduated from Wilson High School. I went to stadium, fuck the Rams. <laughs> um, he had a history of living with women who worked more than him. He had gotten married twice, once in 1979 and once in 1990. His ex-wife described him as, quote, gentle. <laughs> At the time of the murder, he was 28 years old, and he had lived only nine blocks away from Point Defiance Park, and he worked as a mechanic at Boeing. Even though he was back on the radar in 2016 and 2017 relating to Jenny's murder, um, he had actually been on the potential suspect list back in 1986. He even questioned in December of the same year, but there wasn't enough evidence to hold him. Man, I'm right there. Prior to Jenny going missing, he called Tacoma Police Department about Michelle's case, leaving a tip that he uh, he saw the person in the composite sketch, and it was a man who frequently jogged at Point Defiance Park. So I guess the police were like, oh, maybe you're sketchy. And <laughs> they questioned him. Um, but during his questioning, he actually said that he had been in the park of the day of Jenny's murder and even used the same trail that her body was found in. But, but it wasn't me, actually. Yeah. It was the <laughs> but other guy. there wasn't enough evidence to hold him. And in 2017, he was tracked down in Eureka, Illinois, living with his disabled daughter. He was asked for a DNA sample, and he complied, and it was an instant match. He was extradited back to Washington and was arrested and charged with first-degree murder in May of 2018. Got him. He said he grabbed Jenny by the arm, led her into the woods, and strangled her. <laughs> During his trial, he refused to speak, using only yes or no answers, but he did have a written note. I strangled her until she died. I am deeply sorry for the death of Jennifer. I recognize there are little that my words can do to diminish the tremendous pain and loss this crime caused so many people. What a sweetheart. <laughs> he was sentenced to 26 and a half years in prison, which might not seem like a lot, but he is in his 70s, so... At least he'll die in there. <laughs> also in 2018... Tacoma Police Department hired a genetic genealogist to test DNA found from Michelle Welch's case. They used DNA to track down the killer, and it was narrowed down to a man named Gary Charles Hartman and his brother. Um, Gary had no criminal record, and he worked as a nurse at Western State Hospital in Lakewood slash Silicon, and he lived right near Point Defiance Park. Uh, he was married with two children. He collected cars with his wife. Everyone he knew described him in a good light. They said he was a nice old man. He waved at all his neighbors, and a neighbor even went as far to say he was, quote, greater than sliced bread. Even better. <laughs> that, that's like a direct quote from even one of better. his neighbors. Doesn't get better than Gary. Obviously, this led to neighbors being shocked when in 2018, after 32 years, Hartman was arrested. Imagine living next to someone for that long, and then there's this old cold case that you may, just may have heard of. Would never put it together that it could be that guy. The greater than sliced bread. Yeah, for real. Like, you're living next to this guy for years, and then all of a sudden you find out he killed a 12-year-old 30 years ago. Greater than sliced bread. 
And let me remind you, that was... Even our cat was mad about that. Yeah. Um, like, it was a brutal case. Like, he uh, sliced her neck. Like, Jesus it was not... Christ. Like... Sliced it like bread. It was, was not very good. But everyone in his life said that he was the best. Um, June 5th of 2018... TPD collected his DNA when they followed him to a restaurant and collected a used napkin from a waiter after he left um, when he was done eating. And it was actually that used napkin that was used to connect him to the DNA sample. That's actually how they caught the guy. Oh, once they did their fucking job. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then um, on June 19th, 2018, the Washington State Patrol Crime Lab finds that the napkin came back as a match. The very next day, June 20th, he was actually arrested. He was held on $5 million bail for suspicion of first-degree murder and rape. But it actually wasn't until this very year, March 22nd, after I actually started looking into this case. That's right. Um, that he was convicted of first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to 27 years in prison. But, again, he is already in his 70s, too, so he's likely to die in prison. He said, I'm so sorry. God knows I'm so sorry. That doesn't help. I'm just sorry. And he sobbed during while saying uh, this. Uh, How sad. Great that he showed some regret, finally. <laughs> now he is divorced. Really? Um, <laughs> yes. And he's spending the rest of his days, hopefully, in prison. Playing solitaire. It's just pretty crazy that... Even your neighbor could have brutally murdered a 12-year-old 30 years ago. So just go ask them. Yeah, I bet they'd tell you. Yeah, what's funny about this is, like, I remember when you were looking into it all, and you were you had your own suspect list of, like, who it could probably be. And didn't you... You thought it was this guy, I thought, for a while. Well, it was pretty, like, narrowed down to be him. It was just, like, when I first started, I was like, probably this guy. Yeah. Um, but then I looked in more, and it was pretty, like, known that it was this guy, but it wasn't until this year that it was, like, convicted. Yeah, you know? yeah. I saw so, when we got the news. That yeah. was crazy. So he was charged, like, 2018. He just wasn't convicted until now. Oh, yeah. I see. And I actually started looking up this case in the beginning of March, and then I kind of stopped looking into it. And when I saw that he <laughs> had actually be, been convicted that, like, fucking week, that cold I was like, man, I gotta talk about it now. That's right. But yeah, so that was the case of Michelle Welsh and Jenny Bastion, um, two girls that were thought to be linked for fucking 30 years. Into, and thought to be two separate insane people. That yeah. killed them. In the same year, in almost the same way. Just to be found almost in the same year. Yeah, they, like, he was charged, Robert was charged fucking in 2018. That's what I got. This it guy, was right? the same month that they, <laughs> got Gary. Uh, that they, like, narrowed it down to Gary. Oh, damn. Yeah. So in the same month, they were like, cool, we, we found them. <laughs> we're so good at this, guys. <laughs> All right. Um, well, thank you. Thank you for listening.